how many times do you tell your kids to put their shoes on in the morning? If you think your kids are not listening, it might be the way that you are talking to them. Today on Feed, Play, Love, parenting educator Jen Muir is going to give us some tips on how to get our kids to listen. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. When kids get to a certain age, it can be liberating because now they can do things for themselves, like cleaning their teeth, getting dressed, and yes, putting on their shoes. But if your kids are at that age where they can do these things, chances are you will also be asking them several times before they actually listen. Jen Muir is a parenting educator at Connected Parenting, and she's here to help us with this tricky thing of getting our kids to listen. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi, Shiv. Thanks for having me. I feel like I, sh- I missed a very important piece of information there, and that is you have four boys. <laughs> How old are your boys now? They are five, seven, ten, and thirteen. Not twelve. They're all about to have a birthday. <laughs> They're all about to have a birthday. They're all born in July. So. Oh my word! <laughs> You've got a busy month coming up for I you. Do. <laughs> Right. So uh, I am imagining, at, particularly at those ages, that boys mm, aren't goodness. the best listeners. No. How many times do you tell them to put their shoes on in the morning? 57 and a half, I think. <laughs> what does the half look like? Shoes! <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Boys and girls and kids do struggle to listen and it can feel super frustrating when I find myself feeling like, why is he not listening to me? I usually try to stop and think, hang on, why is he not hearing me? How do I need to talk differently? How can I communicate differently so that he can hear me? Okay. So I'm going to get you to talk me through this. Before we do though, I love, I love the advice you give. It's always so practical, but we do have to let people know, take it with a grain of grain of salt, because I'm sure this advice will be brilliant. And I'm also sure that you cannot be doing it with each of your four children every day. <laughs> no. no. Okay. No. So let's, let's take this all in our stride. This is trying to do our best with communicating. Trying to do our best. And honestly, it's when it's not working that I get triggered to think, okay, how can I do this differently? And that's when the knowledge comes into play. Generally, you're functioning at that sort of getting from A to B level. And it's only when I think, oh my goodness, I have asked him five times to put on his (laughs) shoes and they are not on and I'm about to lose it. And I can either lose it or I can try to talk differently. So yeah, it's usually when things start to go off track that I apply this stuff. Okay. So this is about how we are communicating with our kids. Yeah. Talk me through it. What's the first thing that we should be paying attention to? I think it starts with understanding child development and how our kids' brains develop. And if we, if we can start there, then we have an understanding and an empathy for where they're at. And then we know they're not being naughty. They're not ignoring us. They literally find it hard to focus on two things at once. So when our kids are very focused or engaged, or maybe they're upset, they're having a bad time, they will find it very hard to do that, do the thing they want to do and hear an instruction and put that into action. It's not that they're not listening. It's that their brain can't do that yet. So we sort of need to talk a little bit differently in order to get them to hear us. So let's say they are engaged in something in the morning when you're trying to get them out the door. 
how do you interrupt that activity so that they listen? Yeah. Look, I would always, always start with connection. And how that looks is getting up close to your child, stopping for a second. And we want to give that instruction. Like we're, we're in a hurry, but this is probably going to be quicker. Yes. So if you know that, that will help. You're like, okay, I got to connect. I need to notice what they're doing. So in many cases, that might be that you notice what they're playing with and you might stop, get down low, get down close, touch them and say, wow, like you've been so busy with this. I can see you're really focused. And you kind of pause and hang in that for a second before you get to the instruction bit. So we want to connect before we correct, or we want to notice where they're at before we give that instruction. That allows their brain to tune in, feel really like they feel good. When they feel better and feel more connected, they're more likely to be able to hear us. So you've gotten down, you've interrupted the Lego game, you've done the connection. And this this is the thing though, they're now going, wow, my mum sees me. I feel so good. Their endorphins are up. Uh-huh. Okay, so now they're in a better place to receive the news that they have to stop doing something they're enjoying. Yes. And they've got to do something that's less enjoyable, like brush their teeth or get their shoes on. So then we say really clearly, you want, want to use big gestures. Mm-hmm. You want to be staying really close to your child and you want to say, okay, next, we need to get our shoes on. You don't want to use lots and lots of words. You want to keep it pretty simple. You don't want to give too many instructions at once. So one or two steps is about enough for most kids (laughs) and some husbands. Um, (laughs) You want to use, um, depending on your child, things like touch. Like if you just put your hand on your child's shoulder while you do this, it can make a really big difference. They feel more connected and grounded. And another trick that is incredible incredible, like works really, really well, is lower your tone, getting close and actually even whisper. So you might go, wow, you've had this great Lego game. Okay. And now we need to get our shoes on. And you can follow that up with two choices or two steps. So do you want my help with that? Or can you do it? Or do you want to, you know, do you want to carry your bag or should I, or, you know, it's something like that helps to guide our child into, okay, there's two steps. It just makes it a little bit easier for them to process and move forward into that thing that they're not looking forward to as much. And actually, I should ask, before all of this, are you um, an advisor of the warning method? You know, we have five more minutes and we're going to need to do this or? Yeah, look, um, no, probably not. Yes, one, one. I wouldn't mm. go five more minutes. Okay, five more minutes, five more minutes. And yep. and what does five minutes mean to a three-year-old or a five-year-old? Or, you know, the concept of time is fluid. I do love prepping kids, though. They go so much better when they know what to expect. I use lots of tools in my house. So we have whiteboards. We draw out the steps for our children that have trouble processing or have trouble following multiple step instructions or staying on track. We will draw it out so that they can look up at their wall and say, oh, yeah, what's next? It's my shoes. Um, And you can talk um, young kids through that. So, okay, we're at step one. You've done this. And now we need to do step two and step three. And you can refer to that chart. I use visual timers as well, or or even the Google Home. Hey, Google, set a 15-minute timer. Guys, when the timer goes off, we're turning off the TV. Does everybody understand? That's going to make it much easier when that timer goes off for them to hear you because they're like, oh, there's that timer. I've been pre-warned and that all helps. So yeah, I do love pre-warning, but it's more about letting our kids know what to expect than the threat of 
Yeah, time um, is a good thing, isn't it? I hadn't yeah, thought of that. Visual time is like, it's like the sands through the hourglass. If you can get a visual timer where they can see the time ticking down, it's even better. It, as you were saying all of that, of course, I was running through my morning this morning <laughs> and I had... Was it just so calm like that? Did you connect? So and... calm, so connected. <laughs> I was thinking, first of all, Siobhan, do not let them put the telly on. But... Um, <laughs> I, I did do one of those charts for my son yeah. and um, we had words this morning because he hasn't been following his chart because the idea is I say, you can watch telly, but only after you've done all of these things, which means you can literally pick your bag up and walk out the door when I'm ready to go. So that's everything. It's breakfast, to cleaning teeth, packing bag, all those things. <laughs> anyway, I get to, <laughs> I, I take him into the bedroom. He's, I'm trying to talk to him, but he's not wanting to listen because he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I said darling, you know, you have to do all those things before you can watch telly. And he's pointing out all the things that he's done. And I said, yeah, and what about this? Cleaning teeth. So I'd written cleaning teeth and then a big smile with (laughs) teeth in it. And he said, I thought that was brush my hair. (laughs) And I'm like, really? I know that you can't read very well right now, but teeth and hair? (laughs) I know I'm not that bad a drawer. So anyway, Note to self, make sure your child understands the, the chart, chart that you yes. And yes. that chart was so straightforward, but it really did work for them. Yeah. In terms of, in spe- especially my son, in terms of knowing what comes after what. Yeah, look, many kids really need a visual cue to keep track of steps until their brain can kind of help them do that independently. At, at what point? When they're 27, yeah, I don't, I don't 28? Know. I don't know. <laughs> Still to get there, says Jen. Um, And are there any other ways that we should be approaching this listening thing for our kids? I think really coming from a place of when, and it's, I know it's hard to do, and I know, and we all get frustrated, and I've definitely said, I've told you, you know, we all do it, but definitely coming from that place of if my child is not doing this, kids go well when they can. They do want to do the right thing by us. They do want to impress us. And so it's stepping back and thinking, how can I change the way I'm delivering this in order to have them have that chance of success? So if the step chart didn't work, maybe there was one too many steps on it, or maybe we can change the visual cues. It's sort of like thinking about how to improve it and and trust that they are doing the best they can. Put, think... put lips on the mouth. <laughs> I don't know. Draw a toothbrush, maybe. <laughs> Draw a toothbrush. Look, I think a mouth is a lot harder to misrepresent than a toothbrush, but anyway. The only other thing I'd add that I should have said is is moving forward when you need to. Like sometimes we we say to our kids, you know, I want you to do this, I want you to do this 20 times and it's not happening. Sometimes I think we need to realise, okay, they're not able to do this. They're not able to hear this instruction and we need to say, okay, you're not doing this, so I'm going to help you put your shoes on for you with younger children. And we're just moving forward because sometimes it's about that worry around going to school and that's why the shoes aren't coming on. So being aware that a particularly when we have a child that maybe always puts their shoes on okay and they're not going on, that might be a cue that there is something going on. And you might stop and go, hey, I'm noticing you're not really into getting these shoes on today and it seems like something's going on. Or you might just give them a hug and it might it might be that's all they need or it might be they're then op- able to open up and say, yeah, there's something going on at school. I had this fight with my friend yesterday and I don't want to go. And then you've got this opening to find out why they're not hearing us and why they're kind of not moving forward. And how long do we do this for? This kind of <laughs> communicating, you know, touching the shoulder, getting down on their level? Look, 
I have an almost 13-year-old and I feel like I'm entering a whole new place. Um, <laughs> Not in Kansas anymore, oh, Toto. Oh, my goodness. And I feel like it's everything that I'm working with people around toddlers is coming back. And so I feel like it's going to be quite a long haul for me. It feels like the beginning of a long um, you know, wonderful journey into adolescence. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to need all of this stuff and yes. more. So I yeah. don't think it's over anytime soon. I guess we're hoping for that adult brain eventually. And that's maybe in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we just look at that childhood as, well, it's an evolution, isn't it? In, mm. And their, their brains are moving and developing. And as long as we can be empathetic to that, it's going to be easier for us. It helps. I mean, if you have that understanding and that empathy, um, it definitely helps. Otherwise, I'd be thinking right now, what has happened to my child who was together and remembered his stuff? And I think he's lost his sports bag uh, 15 times this week alone. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, it's, you can really see that brain is changing and that ability to listen is like having struggled to get him to listen all of those years. And then I had this kid that was sort of together and going amazingly. And then as we approach 13, I'm like watching it just, oh, he can't hear me again. The so then you've got to go back out. to the beginning. And really it's, it's a lot of the same stuff. We are getting in close. We are touching them. When we talk with kindness, um, when we can, they're, Kids are much more likely to hear us. If we're yelling at them, they're in fight or flight. They cannot hear us. Mm. And it's, you know, it's just, it's about us, um, you know, controlling our emotions is the biggest thing, which is the work of wow. parenting. Yes. And a whole other interview. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. That's Jen Muir. She's a parenting educator and you can learn more about her work via her website. Check out the notes in this episode for details. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now. <laughs>